Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, and welcome once again to History Dweeps. I am Tim. Welcome to the podcast where we take a lighthearted look at the dark side of history. And the topic of our podcast today is the Knickerbocker Theater Disaster. Um, it was part of a uh, disaster that occurred in Washington, D.C. back in 1922. There was a terrible blizzard that hit the D.C. area, well, actually the whole eastern seaboard of the United States back in January of 1922. And um, the Knickerbocker Theater uh, was a movie theater in Washington, D.C. And uh, a lot of people were attending uh the theater to watch a movie. Uh, movies were silent back then, and um, the roof collapsed. So a lot of people died. So we're going to talk about this um, this story. But before we do, let me introduce uh, my co-host. I'm very happy to introduce the very lovely and talented, the Queen of Mean, the Mistress of the Macabre, Pill Poppin, Penis Lovin, Brandy. How are you today, Brandy? I'm good, Timmy. How are you? I am well. Did you have a nice weekend? I had a very interesting weekend. What happened of of note? Oh, nothing. My my kids are just crazy, and I walk in on half conversations and have these weird conversations with my children. And how is young Noah? Noah Noah's decided that uh, he has a girlfriend. Oh, really? She doesn't yeah, know. Noah's is five years old. Well, yeah, I have a lot five. of those. Yeah, she he's five. And I told him, I said, well, you know, you kind of have to ask her if she wants to be your girlfriend. Mm -hmm. He didn't realize that, so that was... So he doesn't have the process down. No, he doesn't have the process, but, you know, he's got a little girl that he likes, and so he's decided that she's going to be his girlfriend. I understand that him and uh, Dave had a um, conversation. They did. They did. They were, I don't know what they were arguing about, uh, but Dave, you know, announced that, you know, he has a job he pays bills he takes care of you know he takes care of him he can he's do basically a grown-ass man he's a grown-ass man he can do whatever he wants uh and, you're not here yet Carl. Oh, and noah looked at him and said well you can't walk on lava that's what you can't do which he was correct yeah, and that's a good i point. i of course made matters so much better by saying that's funny, and it's going on Facebook. <laughs> and you just got outsmarted by a three-year-old. He did. He's five. <laughs> so, or five, yeah. Yeah, five. so he's, yeah. So that was a good time. 
That is funny. I, I wonder where Noah comes up with this stuff. Dude, I, you know, <laughs> it's hard telling. I Noah becomes such a sarcastic little smart ass. He needs know. to be on the podcast. But really I feel does. like I feel like these are things that he ponders, and, you know, they just, well, the, it presents itself, and he can, it, he just he, comes out with he it. He made a good point. He did. He it's made it. He made a great point. Now, uh, we have some exciting news. Are you willing to, are you uh, ready, should I should say, are you ready to reveal the exciting news? Well, it's ready enough, I okay. suppose. So a while back, I had kind of mentioned that I wanted to do um, my, a side project, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, totally different from this, just, you know, reading children's stories. A and new podcast. Sort of a new podcast, but it's just reading stories and it's good for kids, you know, for long uh, car trips and different things like that. They have things on there. There's no, you know, again, totally different from this podcast. There's no cussing. There's no nothing. And I read, you know, Dr. Seuss stories and things like that. Books on tape for kids. Sort of, yeah. Okay. Actually, exactly like that. For kids with short attention spans because that's what I don't like about books on tape. You go along, yeah. you know, you never know where you're These at. are not very long. These you can are, get them for 20 minutes and yeah, these are, as a kid. Oh, yeah. 20 minutes is pushing it. So... Um, but it's called Cover to Cover Kids. Um, I have a Facebook page, and I thought they were posted on there, but for some reason they're not. But if you can go and like the page, that would be great. It's Cover to Cover Kids, and then um, all of the all of the um, books that I've already done are on Libsyn, mm-hmm. um, so they're all stored there. Now I can warn you now. I mean, there's really nothing fancy about it. Just me reading these stories, and Tim, you're gonna help me a little bit yes, with some of the production issues. And yeah, some it's stuff not like on that. iTunes yet, but it will be soon. It will be soon. I'm getting my cover art together, hopefully, and we'll get that up. But you know, in the meantime, there's probably, you know, there's probably 10, 15 stories on Libsyn, and I'll get more up there. And and so it's just kind of a little side project that I do. I read to my kid already, so I thought, why not? You know. Well, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm going to listen to it tonight before I go to sleep. Well, okay. Uh, but that's cover to cover. Cover to cover kids. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we'll put a, for those of you who are on our Facebook page, the History Facebook group, we'll post a link to it on there so you can get to it. Thank you. Rather easily. Well, that's exciting, Brandy. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Now I would like to introduce the uh, moral compass of our podcast, mm-hmm. a man that really needs no introduction, uh, but we're going to give him one anyway. He's been uh, called an oasis in the desert of despair. The very honorable Reverend Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawk Waters III, affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Colonel? Well, Timmy, I'm I'm recovering. I'm recovering. You had a health scare this week. I had a. Uh, I had a uh, yeah. I was Friday night we have was a, a lot nice of health scares on this podcast. We do. Friday night was a nice it's him. night. It's well, ninety percent. Oh the yeah, time. I was the last one carried out in a, a, a meat wagon. Well, first <laughs> of all, wagon. you're still wearing your hospital bracelet. Let's let's <laughs> let's stop there. Well, he can milk that for a day. And yeah. never mind the fact that I think we've already established that he is. I know that you're the angel of death. Well, I I go in <clears throat> Friday night, perfect night. Take the wife. Bring a kid up to O'Charlie's, eat a meal, feel good. Boy, you're a baller. You know me, shot you know caller. Me. And uh, get I'm home. I'm gonna set you back thirty-five dollars. Uh, it was like fifty-five dollars wow. for you. Yeah. Wow. They must have got prime rib. Yeah. Logan got the ribs. That some bitch always gets ribs. All right, continue. So I go and I get my, uh, you know, and and then you know the stuff that the 
Mrs. Gross. God. Decides every Friday night. You yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Come on. Get to the story. So anyway, I'm laying down. I don't know if you watch. You need to watch his show, uh, Shameless, on Netflix. Um, yeah, I've anybody, heard it's good. Anybody who watches it will recognize the devil in Frank Gallagher right away. But what the So I'm watching this, and, and I get a little what feels like maybe like oh maybe maybe my french dip is giving me some some gas or something mm-hmm. like that right right under my my rib cage here on the right side and then within 10 minutes timmy i've got a hot spear running through my ribs into my back mm. and i'm kind of doubled over and i was basically up all night and i went to the uh doctor in the morning and he drew some blood and well, you were feeling you were feeling that in the afternoon though because remember you you you, uh, you you said you were you were sore. Yeah, I was feeling some tenderness yeah. in my chest under. Yeah, yeah. and uh, turns out that I don't have gallstones. I have a anal cancer. I don't have anal cancer. He's the face of anal anal cancer. <laughs> I am not. That's fair, Fawcett. Oh, okay. Um, Poor thing. Yeah, right. Turns out I I have a an extremely inflamed gallbladder, which is not a pleasant thing. Can he really tell if it's inflamed or do they just say that to make you go away? I um, think some of it's that. But then the dumb motherfucker doesn't get pain pills. Yeah, why didn't you get some Percocet or something, dude? I didn't give you the Advil? I told him I'd take out. You know, Timmy, I, I, as you know, I I feel pain makes you stronger. Yeah. And uh, That's right. That's why you run to the Oh, times a month. I was pretty sure I was. I, I was pretty sure this was the big one, Elizabeth. If it would have been on my left side, I would have pretty sure I would have just croaked over. But um, so left so, side is what you got to worry about, huh? Left side is what you got to worry about. For that's where your heart is. Yeah. yeah this know. was on the right side. If you had a heart, Tim, that's yeah, where I don't it would have be. One, but, right. but it. Uh, but yesterday I was. Is it shaped like you know a Valentine? I don't think so. Yeah. It's kind of squishy. Mm. But I, uh, oh, you've yanked enough hearts out of people's chest. You ought to know what they look like by now. That's how well, I know they're squishy. Well, Colonel, we were glad that you're feeling better. Your story is over. Yes, that's the I'm point. not saying I'm feeling better, Timmy. I'm, I'm yeah. saying I'm here because the show must go on. Yes, you're carrying on, and we appreciate that. Colonel. I came straight from the hospital to do this you podcast. Did. No, you did, because Brandy I and I had planned to do one on our own today. and uh, Yeah, that's what this needs is another six one-star so reviews we have a group text and um i said the colonel announced that he was going to the hospital this morning so i said okay brandy you and i will do a podcast well i'm having test done at 7 30 i'll be back in time he was so worried he was, we were going to cut him i out. wasn't worried about that he i was, was a just little worried he, wasn't he? he was no he was a little bit worried i think he just doesn't want people still in the spotlight yes you're joan crawford no, what i don't really you and i you and i are joan and beth is, that's what uh, we are those we're starting to rack up the one star reviews on iTunes. Yeah, we got know. a couple, but we got some good ones, so it's okay. We got a lot of good stuff coming our way um, recently, so we're not. Can I just complain. say, add this, and I'll let you get to your stuff, Timmy. Thank you. Um, I normally don't like the negative ones because I feel like the people are lazy. Like one person just put yuck. I mean, you dumb motherfucker, come on. Come up with something. I don't know how you, you bitch know. about a free podcast anyway. I don't care if if they don't like it or if they say there's too much. But and one person laid it out and they said, you know, the woman's completely unsympathetic and blah blah blah. What? But she ended it by saying, "These are three horrible people who are just best avoided." And I think that yeah. was probably my favorite review of all. It's probably pretty accurate. Yeah, it is. it's hard three, to argue against. Three the horrible truth. people who are just best avoided. 
Yeah. Well, you know, we're not for everyone. So that's I didn't know right. about that, huh? But anyway, we got some very nice reviews, and I want to talk about that. Um, uh, Joe from the True Crime Review podcast, he gave us a glowing uh, five-star review. So we want to thank Joe for that, and he mentioned us on his podcast. So check out True Crime Review podcast. It's, uh, I listened to it last night. I subscribed and listened to the latest episode last night. It's really good. Um, we also miss Shonda. Uh, she left us a, a very nice review, and uh, we want to thank her for that. We'll have some more shout-outs to um, folks who left us uh, good reviews a little bit later on, but there's some other things I want to get to. Um, I've been invited to be on the uh, podcast we listen to podcast where um, without us yeah without you uh, uh, Jeremy Collins from that page who manages the um, podcast we listen to group Facebook group page uh, also has started a podcast where he interviews podcasters and he was kind enough to invite me on to his show so I will be there and it's a good opportunity to promote our podcast so we appreciate that very much if you're not member of that group podcast we listen to we encourage you to join and also to um, listen to the podcast um i promised last you know last time when i did the patreon shout outs we've just been growing patreon patreon support has been amazing um, but last time i left off jason dykes and jason i am terribly sorry we appreciate your support uh, not only your patreon support but your contributions to the facebook page and all you do uh, to promote the podcast so thank you but jason very much if you are interested or would be interested in supporting us on patreon just go to patreon.com slash history dweeps where you can give a little you can give a lot or just a wee tiny little bit timmy just yeah. a wee tiny little and bit. you know it's um just we, the tip timmy we re- <laughs> we really appreciate uh, of course we appreciate the money because it helps us cover the cost of the podcast but it also tells us that you're like you like what we're doing, and that uh, means a lot to us. So we really appreciate that. And with that, I would like to thank all of you who support us on Patreon, including Alicia and Chip, as I mentioned before, Jason Dykes. Thank you, Jason. Bridget Clavey, Brandy McBride. Thank you, Brandy. Kimberly uh, Cameron. Thank you, Kimberly. Elise down in Arkansas. Thank you, Elise. Uh, Scotty J with the um, Killers, Nuts, and Cults and Nut Jobs podcast. Thank you, Scott. Can't ever get that right. I know. Yeah, it's yeah. Th- more than two words I get confused. TJ Young, thank you, TJ. Diane Student from the History Goes Bump podcast. Amber Trevino, Annette Petre, Lise over there in Norway. Mandy Swanson, thank you, Mandy. Melissa Montoya, Brittany Martin, Cheryl Weldon, Joe Hopkins, Jennifer Siemens, and her mother, Linda. Thank you, ladies. Uh, Leslie uh, Hagar, uh, Amber Scoville, Jahara, Cindy Lou, Lydia Fisher, and her sister, Ruth. Uh, Dr. Jeff Chestnut and his wife, Don, Andrew Happ, Jennifer uh, Watson, uh, Tyrone. Thank you very much, Tyrone. Uh, Phyllis Munson. Uh, Sarah Morgan, Charlie and Allie from the Insight Podcast. They have a new podcast out today, so check it out. I'm looking forward to checking that out tonight. And Rudy, the Wonder Dog. If I missed your name, I'm terribly sorry. Let me know, so I'll correct it for next time. But we really appreciate 
all of your support. And I know, Colonel, before we jump into the story, there's a couple of special shout-outs you want to give today. Well, I'd like to – Allison Shields, a birthday. Yeah, we missed her birthday. Um, it was this week. I think it was Saturday. So happy birthday, Allison. Um, Kaja, we hope your grandfather is, is recovering soon. Yes. He recovers soon. Um, yeah. Aaron Wentz. Um, Aaron suffered a loss. Um, we want you to know that our thoughts are with you. And, of course, Allie um, suffered one, too, with her grandfather. And, and she's uh, – her fun the funeral and that is today. And hopefully, Allie, you're getting through that okay. And we're thinking about you. And, yeah, and Aaron. And Aaron, her, hers – I – I'm Facebook friends with Aaron. Um, I don't know the whole story behind it, but I know it was um, it was it was a very uh, just a horrible loss, and so your th yeah. our thoughts are with you too. Yes, ladies, um, very so sorry. It's, it's terrible when you have you know when you have people that you you feel like you know, and what's always terrible is it. You know, you know, you want to say something to make people feel better, and you can never really think of the things to make them feel better other than we're thinking about you. Absolutely. And, and, and we are. Um, on that note, a, a, a brighter note, I have finished my book of poems from our official. We have we now have an official poet laureate of his, the history dweebs. Really? Yes, and that would be Maggie Glover. Yes. And I, I, got, I, I received... Um, uh, the, uh, her book this weekend and I'm halfway through it and it's wonderful it's uh, she's an excellent writer I well and you know I had never listened to poetry and I and I will not ramble about this but I but my son I told me and, and, and I got some hints from Maggie is that you don't when, when you read poetry and I'm, I'm reading it the first time trying to decipher you know like the meaning what you know like you would mm, you're overthinking it Right, mm -hmm. and my son said, "Dad, you you read poetry." I bet that was the first time you ever been, you've ever been accused of overthinking anything. Here we go, here we go. I'm, but anyway, I come in under, yeah, under I know, the weather. I know. And look where she goes under the weather. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so brought us some he said, pills. Dad, we would be nicer to you. Didn't even get any. What you do is you you read the words, and feel. You feel the words, Dad. And and Maggie made an interesting point. And, and in poetry, you have to, uh, poetry and lyrics, song lyrics, because I'm familiar, you know, we're all familiar with that, is that in poetry, the words have to create a rhythm of their own. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's, so I would recommend it's um, How I Went Red. How I Went Red. Mm -hmm. By Maggie and Glover. And you can. Uh, she is no longer red, by the way. She's got an ice queen do right now. It's, okay. Uh, but uh, you can. Uh, purchase her book, uh, or books, at uh, MaggieGlover.com. Uh, but apparently she's a big deal. I mean, she's not she, a, she's she, a big deal. Oh, oh yeah, she's, she's won all kind of awards and things. And yeah, um, she is now <clears throat> poet laureate. She uh, is the official poet laureate of history dweebs. So I'm, we she bestow said that, that she title said that on she her. will put that at the top of her CV. You know, I, I really don't see her doing that, but I think she might have been humoring us there, Timmy. Oh, but. Okay. I hope so. <laughs> anyway. All right, let's talk about the story, okay? The 1922 Knickerbocker Theater disaster in Washington, D.C. First of all, I want to say that— um, You can't say Washington? 
now I can't say Washington, so I'll say out of front. But I do want to say um, I wanted to do this story a long, long time ago. Uh, I had read a blurb about this story and uh, before we even had the podcast. And once we started the podcast, I went back to try to find some information on it. And there was just not a whole lot out there, certainly not enough to uh, do a whole podcast on. Uh, in the past two years, though, um, there was a book written by Kevin Ambrose uh, called The Knickerbocker Storm, uh, and it's uh, published through Arcadia, and I was able to get my hands on that uh, when I went back to take a look. Sometimes there's stories that I want to do, there's just not a whole lot out there, and then every once in a while I'll do some searching to see if anything new has come up, and uh, this book was released in the past couple years so I went and got a hold of it, and uh, it's excellent. It tells the whole story, so we're able to bring you this podcast today. So a shout-out to author Kevin Ambrose uh, for, this, um, for his book, The Knickerbocker Snowstorm. The Knickerbocker Storm was a blizzard that occurred on January, or between January 27th and 29th in 1922 when the colonel was a young lad in the upper south and middle Atlantic states of the United States, so it's sort of the eastern seaboard. The storm um, took its name from a resulting collapse of the Knickerbocker Theater in Washington, D.C. Shortly before 9 p.m. on January 28th, uh, in that uh, roof collapse, uh, 98 people were killed and 133 were injured. Among the dead were uh, included a former congressman, Andrew Jackson Barchfield, and a number of prominent political and business leaders. Um, the Knickerbocker Theater became known as the Titanic of theaters at the time. The Titanic it, of theaters? Yeah, because it was, you know, oh, resulted, because it was so big. It blah, was blah, big blah. and it resulted in death. Yeah, death, yeah. Because this was like, uh, you know, eight years or so, 10 years from when the Titanic sank. It was the largest and most luxurious theater ever built in Washington, D.C. at the time. And um, it only stayed open four years before the roof collapsed. And they think the roof, originally they thought the collapse was due to snow on the roof, but they also later on uh, concluded it was due to some uh, design flaws. Anyway, the tragic event occurred during the open scene, opening scene of a silent um, featured movie on the Saturday evening, January 28, 1922. Um, so let me give you a little background on the theater. The Knickerbocker Theater was the largest and newest movie house in Washington, D.C. It was built in 1917 by the owner, by a guy by the name of Harry M. Crandall, Randy. Construction began in the latter part of 1916 and finished in the fall of 1917. Colonel was just a baby. I was just a little tiny lad mm -hmm. there. It was located in the wealthier area of D.C. and it was at the southwest corner of Columbia Road and 18th uh, Street Northwest. Uh, it's the if you're familiar with Washington D.C., it's the Adams Morgan District. Oh yeah. I know that place. I of course you, you do. Yeah, mm -hmm. I knew you would. There's a good steakhouse right around the corner. Mm -hmm. And then, the, of course, there's if you need cigarettes or something, there's the Adam Morgan's convenience store right there. Mm -hmm. 7-Eleven. 
No, it's not 7-Eleven. It's the Adams Stupid. Morgan Bodego. Okay. Bodego? Mm-hmm. Bodega? Bodega. Yeah. Bodego. In total, Bodega. the theater cost um, Harry Crandall, the owner, $77,000 to build. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of lettuce, Timmy. Well, at the time, you know, that's probably, I don't know what that is in today dollars, but I'm sure you're going to tell us shortly and interrupt me. <laughs> the, seating, the seating. I hate to interrupt your flow because you go so goddamn fast and quick, and you know, I hate to I hate to fuck with your pace there, Timmy. <sighs> the theater had a seating capacity of 1,700. It's a fairly good sized movie theater. The theater was a very popular spot for entertainment in the 1920s. It played first-run silent movies, Brandy. Yes, and. Uh, attracted top name orchestras because you know this is back when they would bring the orchestra in to play along with the silent movies right right it uh, also hosted vaudeville acts and uh, other popular stage events on january 28 1922 the knickerbocker theater was showing a silent comedy brandy because saturday night was comedy night well clearly the comedy was called get rich quick wallingford Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you seen that? No, not recently. No, Have I you checked it out on Rotten Tomatoes? No. Well, check out uh, IMDb. It's almost a million dollars today, Timmy. Thank you, Colonel. It's a lot of a lot of dough. It still wouldn't be a lot of dough, really, to build a movie theater in Washington, D.C. for a million bucks. That's not that outrageous in today's dollars, right? That's pretty. There's more money you than c- I got. You couldn't build, you couldn't build a th- movie theater in D.C. for a million dollars today, I bet you. I got a good deal on that. On a normal Saturday evening, the theater would be packed with capacity crowds. But on this date, January 28, 1922, they only had about 1,000 people in, in the theater, and some reports are even less than that, because um, it was one of the worst blizzards in Washington, D.C.'s history. Actually, it was occurring, and actually, I think it still is considered the worst blizzard ever experienced in Washington, D.C., it would later be known as the Knickerbocker Blizzard uh, because of this um, terrible disaster at the theater. It was an unusual weather event, Brandy, called an extratropical cyclone blizzard. So wow. it had cyclone, cyclones winds and uh, bitter cold, so in the snow. The Arctic air mass was in place across the United States on that January um, uh, at the end of January, and had been uh, in Washington D.C. It had been uh, freezing, uh, below freezing temperatures since the afternoon of January 23rd. So it's pretty bad winter. The front that spawned the cyclone was almost completely dry until it crossed the uh, Gulf of Mexico, making this storm unique among large southeast snowstorms. So this is a I guess it would be a northeaster, right, Colonel? Northeaster, yeah. Yeah, because it's... A nor'easter, Timmy. Yeah, yeah. You, you got that Boston accent, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nor'easter. The spike... I the, parked my car over there, and it was... That's the worst <laughs> New England accent I've ever heard. Despite the slow start, a low-formed and deep and rapid... A low-formed storm and deep and rapidly off the Georgia coast as a cold front reached the Gulf Stream on January 27th, 1922. Back in the day, Brandy, mm-hmm. um, you know, they didn't have, well, I, and maybe radio was around, but, you know, they didn't have the internets 
back in 1922. No, they had the radios. Barely had the radios. But you know what? how they would post uh, warn people of storms? They'd ring bells. No, they would post them in kiosks around the city. Hmm. So it was like a bulletin board that was posted around the city. So I, th- I thought it was kind of neat. Um, heavily snow quickly developed in the Carolinas to Pennsylvania as a low um, uh, front drifted north to the Outer Banks in North Carolina on January 28th. You've been out to the Outer Banks, haven't you? There, of course, Carl? I have. Timmy Isle of Palm, I love it out there. Okay, a strong high pressure system to the north helped keep cut off the system uh, from the jet stream. As a result, the cyclone took three days to move up the eastern seaboard. Uh, which was normal the time uh, used by forecasters in that area. So it was a slow-moving cyclone, so it hung around a while. And, you know, during this time, it's dropping snow, right? Snow reached Philadelphia and Washington, D.C. The fuck? That's what a snowstorm's doing. No, it's a cyclone. A cyclone. Oh, a cyclone. Yeah, it was a a winter cyclone, I guess. An ice clone. Yeah, something like that. Snow reached Philadelphia and Washington, D.C. by noon on January 28th and continued that morning of January 29th. Temperatures remained in the 20s, that's Fahrenheit, through much of the event. In a matter of just a few hours, Brandy, yeah. the snow death at the main observing site in Washington, D.C. was 38 inches of snow with drifts as high as 16 feet. That's a lot of snow, Colonel. That's, well, I mean, I've been in wars. Yeah. 38 inches of all the snow. Most of the eastern seaboard of the United States was paralyzed by the storm. Many businesses closed, and even the U.S. Congress adjourned for the day. The snowstorm remains one of the biggest in history of Washington, D.C., since official records have been kept uh, starting back in 1885. Despite the disruption, disruption in traffic, many people still ventured out uh, during the storm. People was getting cabin fever, Colonel. They'd been, this, oh, yeah. you know, three days of storm. So they decided they were going to get out and they walk. And you know what they did? They had the streetcars back in the day, right? A lot of the cars would ride on the streetcar rails because the streetcars were not running due to the storm. Yeah. So, But otherwise, people would walk. <clears throat> Many brave souls, perhaps experiencing, as I said, cabin fever after an already long winter, ventured out uh, for the evening for entertainment. I just walked, stepped on my own line there, Brandy. Did you like that? I always do. Okay. Um, As I said, the Knickerbocker Theater was the largest and newest uh, movie house in Washington, D.C. So on this cold and snowy night, more than 700 people uh, braved the elements, many of them walking in snow-covered streets, made their way to the theater for a night out. The snow making uh, walking difficult, and at least um, 200 people were significantly delayed and missed the start of the movie. And a good thing for them because the disaster started right as the movie began. Saturday, as I mentioned, was comedy night at the theater. It was the most well-attended night of the week, much like, I guess, probably today, right? Probably. probably most popular. At 9 p.m., the feature film Get Rich Quick Wallingford, a classic. Well, it's a catchy title. <laughs> it is. It's hard to say. Began to roll, and the theater orchestra struck up a lively tune, Brandy. Uh, a few latecomers were entering the theater's auditorium and finding seats. The opening scene quickly produced laughter in the audience, hmm. much like our podcast. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Around 400 patrons uh, were attending. Patrons? The, yeah, whatever. They were attending. <laughs> the, uh, were already seated when the movie started. 
approximately 9 p.m., the roof gave way. Within a few minutes after the start of the movie, a loud hissing sound was heard above the music of the orchestra. Yeah, when, you, when you're in a building and you hear a hissing sound, Colonel, and you start to see, as they would, dust from the plaster started to slowly descend upon the audience. It's time the to get the fuck up out of I God. just assume it's my house. Yeah. That um, happens all the time in my house. Just shit starts cracking, falling apart, floods, basement floods. I got to tear up Oh, carpet. my God, we have to hear about that again. Uh, some survivors... Turn the page. Some, <laughs> some describers described in raccoons. You have raccoons? <laughs> no, no, I ain't got a raccoon. Raccoon come around my house, it knows what happens. Some survivors describe the noise as a, a sound of ripping of sheets. So this probably was a sign to get the hell out of there. Uh, the Knickerbocker, Knickerbocker Theater roof, which was flat and burdened by the weight of snow, was slowly splitting down the middle. Brandy's going to tell us what happens next. I am. Now, picture it. Sicily. 1912. D.C., 1922. Whatever. Yes. All right. Paint a picture for us. Well, I'm going to. Come on, Bob Ross. Paint me a picture. I got you. Okay. Happy trees. A small (laughs) dust cloud began to spew from a crack that had formed in the ceiling above the stage, and the dust slowly descended to the ground. Can you see it? I'm running at that point. Okay. Of course you are. Yes. I I don't need to stick around. Most of the people in the audience didn't know what was happening and stayed in their seats and continued to watch the film, and the orchestra didn't even miss a beat. They just kept on moving. Suddenly, the theater's entire roof broke free from the brick walls and fell as one piece towards the audience below. Just fell as one piece. Uh, That's what it says. It was like just a giant piece of plywood coming down onto their heads covered with snow. It's a little bit different. And shingles. The snow's heavy, man. When it starts up. Roof's heavy. Yeah. <laughs> they both are. Under the weight. Yeah, I bet it was that wet snow, that heart attack snow. I don't know. Because, you know, you get the dry powdery snow that you can just kind of brush off, even if it's like eight inches. Yeah, but, but it was that lot, wet shit. That's kind of shit. People. It was a lot of snow in a short period of time. <clears throat> I think that's the. Is that no. the takeaway? I think yeah, it's the wet think. snow, Timmy. All that's right. what they call them dead shovels. Okay, well, uh, let's see. Who did the research on this? You or me? <laughs> Well, Continue, I, Brandy. It would have been if you would have just dug a little deeper and yeah. found out if it would have wet snow or not. We'd all Let's, know why. We're going to go with that. It's wet snow. Okay. All right. Better. Under the weight of the falling roof, a balcony gave way. Uh, most of the audience was terrorized, understandably. <laughs> it was. Why is that funny? <laughs> Of course they were fucking terrorized. The roof was falling in. <laughs> most of, I would have been more surprised if most of the audience no remained in we, their seat eating popcorn. No more, I mean. You know, and then you wonder why we get bad reviews for being insensitive. <laughs> no, they, most of the audience You come on being terrorized. a dick. Why, why wasn't all the audience terrorized? <laughs> Who were the motherfuckers? Well, not everyone noticed it. I mean, Somebody people were caught up in the... Dick Somebody was getting a hand job in the back row, and he didn't care yeah, at all. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know how you don't notice the roof coming wow. down. You know, you're focused on the movie. I'm never that focused on any movie it ever. Was comedy night. I don't care if they're watching Rush Hour fucking two. This is, this is fucking. It's a silent movie for fuck's sake. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's not that much to focus on. Good lord. It uh, was it was probably a very engaging movie. I doubt it. Most of the well, audience they became disengaged pretty quickly. From well, the right. Movie. Well, most of them. Did. Most of them did. The guy getting a hand job in the back row. Right. He was still. Uh, let's see. 
Uh, it was as sudden as turning off an electric light. As the roof fell, it collapsed the theater's large balcony and pulled down chunks of the brick walls. The falling roof and balcony impacted the floor of the theater with such speed and force that the windows and doors of the Knickerbocker Theater were blown out by the compressed air inside the auditorium. The gust of wind from the falling roof was strong enough to lift people, lift several people off the ground and blow them out of the doors and windows. And that means something to see. The blown victims. <laughs> no, you're walking down the street. What's wrong with you? No, I mean you're walking you down, down the street and somebody hits you. <laughs> Someone flies by you. <laughs> you say I'm a dick. No, you're no, like, I, oh, I would have been. I wish I would have been. No, there. I'm just saying. If they that just had be... iPhones back then, that would have been viral. <laughs> It would have been viral. And, you know, the pressure of the roof coming down as quickly as it did, blowing people outside of the door, that's pretty... That would have been a fucking sweet yeah. trip, too. That would have been... Yeah. It saved... A lot of people saved, saved their lives because they... The blown know. victims were the lucky ones. <laughs> blown victims are usually the... Blown last. out. Blown out victims. Uh, but okay. the blown victims? Whatever. How do I become one of those? They survived. They do. They yeah, they, survive. they, they survived. Uh, the rest of the people inside the theater were buried under a mass of concrete, plaster, bricks, and twisted steel beams. And the, snow. The de- okay, it doesn't say that here. Paint, uh, I'm reading what's on the page. I kind of feel like there's going to be snow in there, though. Well, probably. There's probably cigarette butts and everything <laughs> I else mean, in there. I mean, if it, popcorn. If, if we're not looking at the minutia of this thing. But if they would have loaded it with, like, I don't know, a gazillion pounds of bricks. Don't if, you feel like there would have been bricks on the head, too? It's assumed, Colonel, that there was snow. We're talking about a blizzard. So just assume Okay, that. but if you're going to paint a picture. Hmm. The death Brandy. count was 98 with 133 injured. That's terrible. So now we're going to talk about some of the people that were in the Knickerbocker yes, Theater. Yes, this is going to make uh, the Colonel feel terrible for making these lighthearted comments. Well, because these are now real people. He's a dick. <clears throat> yeah, he is a dick. Right. And uh, he does not represent our podcast in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to listening to you represent our podcast. Yes. Oh, yeah. I will do a fine job. Does he put it out the same day? So if you interview him on Sunday, I think he put, I think, uh, does it come out Monday? It will come out Wednesday, I think. So I'm going to need to find that. All right. So do you s- think you could pronounce our podcast correctly? <laughs> yes. But I might mispronounce your name. <laughs> or it not may, pronounce it, may it at all. It Dish Canoe Walters. <laughs> yeah. Or it may not come out at all. <laughs> it might not. Remember, Remember yeah, who's here yeah, for you. Well, I got I, you. I got you. All right. Hold on. How how the fuck are you two teaming up all of a sudden? <laughs> you don't worry about well, it. Well, when we get bad reviews, it's because of shit that you say. <laughs> it's not because. Well, no, when we got the last bad review, it was because you said you would give a pity bang to that woman who shot herself on TV. No, Christine Shubbuck, I never said that. You, you did. said that. You said that. I you said that. Wait a minute. Someone would have laid the bone to the girl. We're no. busy preparing for you to die. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You probably won't be, be here next week to listen to it. <laughs> so interview. let's talk about Agnes Mellon. Okay. <laughs> oh, come on now. These are victims. Let's stand. And it was a long time ago. Agnes had seen her share of tragedy during her childhood. Like You like how I write that? So she was the colonel of the theater group. <laughs> Jesus. Her mother died six months before, after, not before she was born. It was after. It was after she was born. Because <laughs> if it was before, that would have been, that would have been, been a miracle baby. Thing. That yeah. would have been quite a feat, yeah. Uh, and her father died when Mellon was seven years old. Aww. She bounced between family members while growing up, and when she turned 18, she moved to D.C. She found a job at the National Geographic Society, and a year later was engaged to be married to a man named James Hoffman. 
for life. I don't want to brag, but I've been nominated to be a member of the National Geographic Society. Have you really? Yeah. I had the National Geographic with the boobs in it. I uh, saved it for about 14 years. All righty. Uh, her life was going well on the night of January 28th. <clears throat> Can I tell you something? No. Real quick. You, no, know, you know who's beautiful. Is that woman, that Afghanistan woman that they put a picture of? You oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, beautiful yeah. eyes. Beautiful eyes. So They went back and found her. <clears throat> this is actually just interesting. Okay. I doubt it. Um, I was, you know, I was a headhunter before this. I, they, I had a company ask me. They printed the covers of National Geographic. They were looking for an old-time ink mixer. Because if you laid every copy of National Geographic from the beginning to end, mm-hmm. you would not see a variance in that yellow color on a copy, on a thing. And it's hard to replicate with a computer. Is that the fucking point of your story? <laughs> it's that's interesting. The, is that that's the stupidest fucking story I've ever heard. Is that the goddamn what point? What the fuck is wrong I'm with you? I'm talking about fucking, fucking Agnes Rob Mellon. Fucking attack dog motherfucker. I'm talking about what? Agnes Mellon, and you God go damn. off about the yellow color of National if Geographic. If you get, take every National Geographic from you the first count? one to the last one, what does you that cannot mean? tell what the What does that have to do with anything? Not a goddamn thing. The amount of fucks I could give about this. What is wrong with you people? It's his, no, it's historic. Can you, no, what's historic is me getting you know, talking about all of Agnes. Fuck you. As Tiny Tim said, fuck you, fuck you one and all. <laughs> I don't think he said that at all. I don't think Charles Dickens He didn't, said, and I, I don't appreciate that. that tone that you're taking. No, <laughs> tell us about Agnes. This dick is going on. Going on. Maybe we were just replacing him, Brandon. <laughs> I'm all for a talking, smoking monkey. Okay. <laughs> A vaping monkey. <laughs> okay, so her and Agnes, Agnes and her boyfriend are going to the movie theater. Okay, it's on a Saturday night, date yep. night. Yeah, we're good. We're yeah. going to the movie theater. Maybe they're going to state night. Nope, they're, they're, make out or they're something. not because right. on the way to the movie, they stopped at Agnes's sister's house okay. to see if they could take um, her nephew to the movie. He was five. Uh, his mom said, uh, fuck no, because the weather is too bad. And so they were running, they were running late for the movie. They rushed to the theater. They entered the theater at the moment of the roof collapse. Um, she was crushed to death, Uh but Hoffman was blown into the lobby by a gust of wind from the falling roof. He didn't have a scratch. Uh, he would visit Mellon and her family for many years after the roof while he grieved. He never married. All right. So he, so. Wait a minute. He would visit her and her and, family? No, he would visit her family, her sister oh. and her family. So he would visit her family. Yeah. Many, so he never married. So. Yeah. So they go together. They were dating and. Uh, right. She, she and dies. she died. He, he didn't. didn't. Right. He, he was one. I don't know if we need a recap. Couple of them out of the wheel. Are you going to, when you go on this guy's podcast, you're going to recap for him all the time? <laughs> I bet he does. Helen Hopkins. Yes was a young Girl Scout leader in D.C. Right. She had had a lover's spat with her longtime boyfriend, Victor Zelov, and went on a date with another man to the Knickerbocker Theater on the night of January 28, 1922. Do not say it, Colonel. The collapse. What was I going to say? The collapse. What was I going to say? That's, I mean. You were going to call her a bad name. I was not going to call her a bad name. Whore. Continue, Brandy. Well, why would she go out with another man? Just she just be she a, a spiteful now. She had a spat. 
Uh, spat. The you don't just jump out to well, a movie with another man when you have a spat. You can if you want. Yeah. Okay, how many married? spats you have with Dave? They're not. They're we're they, married. They wasn't married. They weren't married. Well, they're not going to get Victor, married if she keeps acting like that. They're uh, her longtime boyfriend, Victor Zelov. Yeah, Victor yeah. and her wasn't married. So the roof, the collapse, the collapse of the roof killed her date, hmm. uh, and she was trapped under piles of concrete and four large steel beams. She used her strong singing voice to call for help and guide the rescue teams to her location. She was rescued, but her back was badly injured. Uh, <laughs> Get me out of here. See, if you That's were her you, strong singing you voice. Would, you would have survived. I will survive. Oh, as long as you get this steel beam out of me, I know I will be alive. What's wrong with him? Continue, Brandy. It seems wrong. It is. It's poor ladies in an under rubble. Four she, months later. <laughs> under Barney rubble. Yeah. Betty's under rubble. Four months later, uh, on May 18, 1922, she married Victor. Really? If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Did Betty ever see him, Barney? Uh, you know? um, Barney had, had mad skills. Yeah, Barney was hung like a dinosaur. Really? Mm -hmm. He had a big dick. Yeah, that's yeah. what I heard. Yeah, why do they bother buying a car if they have to run? <laughs> I never. Well, you know why? Why? Because you could. Because you could coast. <clears throat> Don't be stupid. I mean, look at them. That's how they get it started, and then they coast. But what if they go Duh. uphill? They that coast. don't make any sense. You you can't I like coast. when they go to the drive-in and order that big steak, and it the always steps over the car. Brontosaurus ribs. Look, okay. it was a cartoon. We're okay. <laughs> All right. Right. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Brandon. You know, and I feel I feel fairly certain they didn't have little pelicans that went down on their records to play them either. So I'm not sure if we want to be getting into the physics of See, I never understood the telephone. Oh, yeah. The telephone. Although, you know, I think it would have been cool when they blow the, uh, the bird blows the whistle. Yeah. When you're off of work and slide down the dinosaur's mm -hmm. tail. Well, but I don't been cool. see. I don't believe that the dinosaurs would have been you ever think so they, friendly. You, you think that they, they, they were swapping? 
Uh, oh, fr- you know they were. And Fred and Barney. Yeah. Uh, All right. So this, the Grand Poobah. But you know what? I think I like Betty better than I liked. Uh, what was Fred's wife's name? Wilma. Wilma. Wilma was one, one, She Wilma. was a ginger. Wilma. Yeah. The Wilma name was a ginger. is not very sexy. Let's face it. So you but, know she's gonna be boss. But Betty was kind of hot. Brunette. She, I mean, mm-hmm. she, she looks a little, maybe a couple years younger than Wilma. Had a nice rack on her. Yeah. Had the Betty rack on her. Mm-hmm. Rubble rack. So four months later, the, Helen marries this guy. On June 3rd, 1922, Lou Henry Hoover, the wife of President Herbert Hoover, presented Helen Hopkins with the Girl Scouts Bronze Cross, along with a bouquet of roses in the White House Rose Garden for her courage in the Knickerbocker Theater. So the bitch gets roses and everything from the White House, basically for getting crushed by the fucking roof. Well, she, I don't know that she did anything it was special loud there. singing voice. But it's not like she went and rescued a bunch of Girl Scouts. No, Had she, she done that, then I understand why she gets it. But she, she, just got and hit. She survived. She's a survivor, and someone seems a little jealous. And it was yeah. a. It, this became because yeah, I could as, save as a can, bus full of nuns and not get so can, much of a thank you. you know, as you can I imagine, could, this was a national story. How many how many awards have you gotten since you started this job? Oh, a couple. Yeah, you've gotten. I've nine. been here twelve years. I know, I know. I got one like my first three months. <laughs> I know. And you guys want a bitch because she's getting some roses. Whatever. She didn't do anything. Well, was, I, oh, I you like didn't people, do any goddamn thing and you uh, got No, that's not true. I like people who don't get captured. <laughs> <laughs> I like people who don't get hit with falling trouble. <laughs> All right. Come on. The poor girl suffered a great David day. Lyman, Jr. Did she, but she married Victor. Yeah, they did. David Lyman, Jr. He was 17 and the pride and joy. like a Girl Scout would be going out on her boyfriend, though. She was don't a Girl Scout like, leader. Don't seem, Oh, that's even worse. That's a bad example to set. All right. David Lyman Jr. was 17. He was the pride and joy of his family. He had excellent grades at Western High School in D.C. and was a star athlete on his baseball and basketball teams. Yeah, this is a sad one. During Saturday evenings after ball games, the boys from his team would often meet at the Knickerbocker Theater to relax, hang out, and watch silent films. It was their Saturday evening routine. On the night of the disaster, most of his teammates could not make it to the theater because of the snowstorm. Only three boys made it to the theater that evening, including David. When the roof collapsed, David and his best friend, Kirkland Duke, were killed. Uh, David's father died a year later, and they were buried side by side in the Congressional Cemetery. Yeah, it's a sad story. They had a, They're all sad stories. Yeah. What makes this one more sad? Well, as it was because it was a kid, and it was uh, it was a the baseball team that was you know gaming. Go, go, go on, carry on. Ernesto Natello. Nadiello, Nadiello. There, let's try yeah, that. The uh, orchestra. Ernesto uh, was one of the top band leaders in the nation, was recruited to lead the orchestra of the Knickerbocker Theater three months before the disaster. On the night of January 28, 1922, he brought his wife Mary and his best friend's nine-year-old son to watch the performance. He was instantly killed when the roof fell. The boy died later that night from his injuries, and M- Mary survived with only minor injuries. Hospital workers, however, incorrectly reported uh, that he survived the disaster. He was reported to be alive at an emergency hospital in D.C. The next day, Mary walked two miles uphill both ways through the snow to visit her (laughs) husband. When Mary arrived at the hospital and learned the sad news that her husband was dead, there was a mix-up in names. She collapsed to the ground in grief. Yeah. So now, they, that's kind of a sad story. She got fucked on that deal. Yeah. She well, thought, she especially got fucked later on when they found out he was there with a date. No. <clears> he <throat> was the orchestra leader. There were uh, uh, 18 members 
in that orchestra. But only 11 of them showed up that night because of the, the, other of the ones, snow. Because of the snow. And of the 11, I think nine died. The, oh. the orchestra was like, the orchestra pit was like the center of the, where the... The epicenter of yeah. the collapse? Yeah. You think they had snow on them? Yeah, I think they did. Well, Raymond Hart played saxophone and clarinet for the Knickerbocker Theater Orchestra. Play a little sax, don't you, Kermit? And lived across the street bit. from the theater. On the night of January 28, 1922, Hart refused to play. Hart's wife had just given birth to a baby girl the previous day, and he wanted to take some time off. Uh, he held firm to his decision and refused to play, despite pleas from band leader Ernesto Nadiello. Hart's choice to stay home with his family that night saved his life. He went on to achieve fame as a musician, band leader, and band director of Catholic University, and he lived to be 77. I wonder how you feel guilty, though, if you, you know, like if I stay home, because tomorrow I won't be here to work. You won't be here tomorrow? And this building, no, and this building collapsed and you guys die, I would probably feel a little guilty. No, you wouldn't. Oh, for a little bit, maybe. No, he wouldn't. He would. Come, he wouldn't feel guilty. He would come. In fact, I think he'd take the bus here just to spit on the building no, and go no. on. No, I, I would, think I would. I would maybe uh, update my Facebook status to feeling sad or something. <laughs> yeah, I feeling think blue. You know, you, it, Thomas, if he didn't get killed, would be sitting here for the next podcast, yeah. and probably Kelly would be well, sitting over there for the next podcast. Yeah. Well, no, because this building would collapse, so we'd have to do it somewhere else. But no, clearly, no, that's true. They have to do it at Subway. Mm-hmm. Oresti. I would feel bad if you guys die in a terrible uh, building, a roof collapse. <laughs> would you feel bad if we died or if the roof collapsed on us? Well, it depends. I mean, you know, I would feel if terrible. Wa- okay, if I'm walking down Finley Market and get shot, do, well, I, well, do I have it coming? It, maybe. A little bit. <laughs> a little it depends on what, you know, the circumstances, right? Because that's how I always picture myself going, is getting shot walking down to Finley Mall. Yeah, to get a sandwich. It's probably about a 20% sandwich. chance of that happening, actually. <laughs> More than that. Oresti, Oresti Nattiello uh-huh. was a violin player and the brother of the band leader, Ernesto Nattiello. Yeah, that's the one they got the name confused with. Oresti lost an arm when the roof collapsed and crashed down on the orchestra. Did he still he play was the violin? violin? Did he still play <laughs> no, violin after can, that? No, we can. I think he went on to teach after that. In the hospital, he pleaded with doctors to save his arm because his career as a musician depended on it. He didn't know his arm was missing, still buried under the rubble in the Knickerbocker Theater. On January 26, 1924, a group of vaudeville entertainers held a show in Louisville called the Nadiello Benefit Performance. The goal of the show is to raise money to help Oriesti, whatever, become financially established within the community so he could start a new life and career without his violin and the music that he loved to play. He became a doorman at a hotel in Louisville and lived to be 78 years old. <coughs> so he did not teach. You I know, guess you only need one arm to open up a door. You do. I, I think he got screwed. I think, I think he limited himself. I think he could have still played. He could have been a. He could have been a. Uh, he could play the tiny violin. He could have played the spoons. He could have. Yeah, he could have played those little cymbal no, things. No, you have to have more than one hand to play spoons. No, no. Def Leppard, the drummer, he played yeah. the one arm. Yeah. I, I. Let me tell you this. No, no God let me damn tell it. you this. This is the true thing. Now I was. I, I used to repo furniture, right? And I would go down, and part of my area was Newport, Timmy. 
this is like the seventh time he's told this story on this podcast. Oh, okay. Well, if I've already told it about the one arm dancer. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Tiny dancer. But but but, but please tell it because then maybe some people didn't hear okay, it the first so seven times. I, <laughs> the one arm tiny dancer. I have so, to go so, repo it. So I open the door. Now these dancers are usually hard looking women, right? But I used to go around to strippers. their houses. They were right. strippers, and I go to their houses early Saturday morning because they would still be in bed and I could catch them there. And I collect the rentals from the rental payments. And this woman opens the door, and she, Timmy, is not hard looking. Mm-hmm. She's actually this next door girl next door, blonde, beautiful woman. How come there's never a new girl next door that looks like that next door? I know. And she's in this T-shirt that looks like it's, you know, <clears throat> been washed 10,000 times. It's so sheer. Mm. And she's got, you know, just a dancer's beautiful body. Just, you know, and I'm looking mm. and I'm hypnotized by her. You're what? Hypnotized by her breasts. And, uh, but something in the back of my mind's going that's, ding, 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 that's ding. That's creepy, don't you think, Brandy? I couldn't weird. help it. You don't answer the door with your breast. It's weird. Popping out of somebody. So anyway. But some of them are, I'm going, you know, like, ding, 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 ding. Okay, so one arm stripper. <clears throat> Get to the point. Finally, it sets in on me that she's only got one arm. Mm-hmm. One arm. So You're I, observing as hell. So I had to ask her. I said, you know, I know it's probably rude, but I got to ask you, what happened to your arm? And she was from Florida, as most, many dancers are. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> it turns out that she... Uh, was playing in an aqueduct and a uh, alligator came up and bit her. And her dad was right there and he had to fight the alligator for her. And she lost her arm. Wow. Okay. That's it. That's the it. That's the story. I always wondered how she held on to the pole. I always wondered, you know how they like, they swing left and then they swing right. I always wondered if she, when she swung right, if she would fly out into the audience. I don't know. Okay, Brandy, continue with your story of the podcast, the topic of the podcast. Um, okay. So, so he's a doorman. All right, so John J. Daly. Did you go Schmidt? No, just Daly. Oh. <clears throat> was a writer and reporter at the Washington Post. He'd been promoted from sports writer to a movie critic in, in a period of time that spanned about 10, G, 10 years. That seems like that's a promotion. That seems I was like going to say, that, that seems like it's a well, not, you've been put in your place, somebody punishing well, you. Well, I don't know. You get to watch free movies, get popcorn. You know, he's, he Roots was a Roger. Roots on your head. Yeah, so is it, I, and he, may, he might have been the Roger Ebert of his day, so it might not have been bad. Get, get you free popcorn, free movies. I'd do that for a living, wouldn't you, Brandy? Yeah, but I want to keep my job. Okay, this is what I get, just, to, just so you know. I uh I just got a text from my son. Is this him. something I was wondering about? <clears throat> um, you know, I had th- this medical condition. I had to have a, a serious test today. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, an invasive ultrasound. It was not invasive. Um, and I got a text from my boy because he cares about me. Uh huh. And he says, "Well, the doctor is able to find your penis." <laughs> Did you write back and say no? Now, last night, Logan came up to me and rubbed me on the belly and said, or no, Logan said, you have an ultrasound tomorrow? I said, yeah. He rubs me on the belly. He said, how far along are you, Dad? These are the most heartless motherfuckers. And I get bad reviews. These are the most insensitive some bitches. Yeah, but you know what? They're not on our podcast. Yeah, and you are. Running their yapper about one arm strippers. For now. <clears throat> Go ahead, Randy. <laughs> so. Till the monkey arrives. <laughs> 
I used promo code bananas. Did you get 10% off? I did. Sweet. Uh, so Daly was assigned to the Knickerbocker Theater on the night of January 28, 1922, to report on the newly released movie Get Rich Quick Wallingford. God, this is a horrible name for a movie. Uh, yeah, they, they probably needed a little better branding. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Delay was sitting next to the lobby door when the roof started to split open down the middle, and with a few quick steps, he escaped the crash of the roof into the theater's lobby. Since he was on site at the disaster and witnessed what happened, he took the lead role at the Washington Post to report the story. He wrote a 5,000-word article about the tragedy that ran in the Post the following day. His article was read across the country, and the Knickerbocker roof crash story became his story. He received national recognition and accepted a job writing for Newsweek in New York City. New York City? Yeah. He later, New York City? He later wrote for the news syndicate North American Newspaper Alliance and traveled to Europe to document Hitler's rise to power. So this guy, it was a good career move for him. Yes. He lived to be 88 years old. Charles Lyman III was not allowed by his parents to go to the movie until he finished his homework. It was the night of January 28th, 1922. Jesus Christ, all of these things happened on January 28, 1922. Continue, please. I'm looking up information on Get Quick Wellingford on IMDB. That seems seems like something, that's a weird coincidence. It really is. I can't figure out. January 28, focus on the story. Why the date's always in here. Okay, so he is rushing around to finish his homework so he can join his cousin, David. Where do you think they were going? I bet they're going to the movies. They were going to the movie theater. At the Knickerbocker Theater. When he finished his homework, he rushed through the deep snow to the theater. Uh, he was a block away from the theater when he heard... <laughs> this movie oh. was 70 minutes long, and it had seven reels. Holy shit. <clears throat> Ten-minute <clears throat> reels. Ten-minute reels. Oh, and you, when, you know, you run the projector back in those days. You really worked. Yeah, you did. Uh, he was one block away from the theater when he heard the loud crash of the roof hitting the ground. For the rest of his life, Lyman would talk about the homework assignment that saved his life. Lyman attended the Naval Academy and became a rear admiral in the U.S. Navy. In World War II, Lyman was given the command of the destroyer USS Lewis Hancock uh, with 327 officers and men. In 1945, Lyman was given command of the destroyer Division 10 and became assistant chief of staff for operations of amphibious Group 3 Pacific Fleet. Lyman lived to be 69 years old. Where are the people in here? You know what this is like. This is always like those people that fucking get shot. Where are the motherfuckers in here that, you know, they were were on their way to the theater and got distracted by a nickel, and so they didn't go in. His friend, his cousin died. And he didn't go in, and then he just became a hobo after that. There's got to be some guilt. Well, then one guy became a doorman. Everybody, yeah, but that's only because he lost his arm. Mm You know, it's always the guy that gets shot is always, well, he was getting his life together. He turned everything around. Always. Jesus, I'm never turning my life around. Then that just means I'm getting ready to die. You know, in the First World War. I don't see you turning your life around. In the First World War, uh, a British soldier, right before the war ended, a British soldier was going to shoot a German soldier. And uh, it was right toward the end of the war, and he let him live. And that soldier was Hitler. Adolf Hitler. Yeah. yeah. So it don't always turn out that so way. So somebody had a chance to kill Hitler and they yeah. didn't? Yeah. Would have saved millions of lives. 
boy, I bet that guy feels like a dick. Uh, Joseph Beale arrived home from his honeymoon on January 27, 1922. Uh, let's see, the honeymoon was short. He and his bride, Margaret, had been married four days earlier. Beale started his com- musical career with the U.S. Navy Band, but was later recruited to be a violin player for the Knickerbocker Theater. Well, that makes sense, because the one guy lost his arm. Mm. Yeah, a lot of the, like I said, a lot of the band members, or orchestra members, died during this. They did Well, die. the one guy, they, they rescued him, and <clears throat> his hand was all crushed up, and he was like, well, am I, am I going to be able to play the cello, you know, when I recover? Of course. And the doctor said, yeah, and he's, you know, he's like, we expect a full recovery, and he's like, great, because I could never play before. Yeah, that's an amazing story. <laughs> So, this guy's a violin player. I'm embarrassed you even tell that joke. It was like Henny Youngman or something. On the night, it, well, that was a joke that was in the two-bit Wallingford movie, whatever the fuck that was called. All right, so. It was a silent movie. Get rich quick, Wallingford. Whatever. It's important. Part it's of it. not. So, so, he's the violin player for the Knickerbocker Theater. On the night of January 28th, again, uh, the band leader... <laughs> Ernesto talked Beale into playing despite his recent trip in marriage. Margaret was pissy and stayed home. Shortly after 9 p.m. that night, jo- Joseph was crushed and killed by the theater's falling roof. Uh, when Margaret heard the news the next morning, she was inconsolable. Inconceivable. On February... <laughs> you know, really, deep down, she was saying, I told that son bitch not to That's go. That's right, motherfucker. Listen to me. <laughs> We'd be sitting yeah. here having dinner. And I'm collecting my $75 life insurance yeah. policy. She's probably... Uh, my boy. That was 1922. It was no kind of safety in that back in then. You're, you're on your own. All right. So, on February 4th, 1922, Beale's father, all right, Ben, stu- stood next to his wife, at Arlington National Cemetery. Ben Beale had been a violin player earlier in his life and devoted much of his time to to raising Joseph Beale and teaching him music. Oh, my God. Tears streamed down Ben Beale's face as he watched the coffin of his son carried through the snow-covered cemetery. Well, first of all, like, you didn't see that one coming. Like, he's not going to cry. To me, the pros in that is just... Thank you, Carl. I'm trying to pitch pictures. This is a serious thing. It's a serious tragedy. Well, did Ben stand next to his wife at Arlington National Cemetery? Did Ben stand next to Joseph's wife at Arlington National Cemetery? It doesn't matter. The guy lost his son. That's the point. I don't think it is the point. Yeah, it is. Please continue. And he cried about it. That is the point. Please continue. Please continue, please. Oh, no. Just because now he's on your side, don't think he won't turn like a rabid dog. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking old yeller over there. (laughs) Yeah. He's back. Come on. This is is a sad story. He's one bite away from being put down. (laughs) Another honeymooning couple, Mr. Raymond J. Bowen, sorry, and his wife, See, when you're on your honeymoon, you should be staying home having sex, not going to the movies. Well, and his wife, Maggie. Or go to the movies and have sex. I wonder if there was anybody in the movies actually doing it. No. Probably. Not doing it, but. You had to get through a lot of clothes back then, though, and it's winter time. That was a lot of, yeah. And there's lots of petticoats and all that. Yeah, It's craziness. All right, so. Mr. Raymond J. Bowen and his wife Maggie had braved the blizzard to see the show, according to news accounts. Taking their seats in the balcony, they were struck by plaster, stone, timber, and steel. A slab of concrete smashed down on Mrs. Bowden's left leg, and another chunk covered her body. So they were both killed. You know, they said that um, they really couldn't. The, the only reason that, you know, they didn't have 
Yeah, they didn't have the DNA CSI back then. The only way they could identify the bodies was what they were wearing because the bodies were just crushed. Perhaps the saddest chapter of the disaster involved nine-year-old Dylan Michaels. He attended the theater that evening with his entire family. The little lad had to walk to the nearby Christian Science Church, which was being used as a makeshift morgue. They had Christian Sciences? There, nine-year-old Dylan had the sad task of identifying the bodies of his father and mother and two sisters. Didn't you say he'd gotten up to get popcorn yeah, or his, something? Yeah, he, he had went to get popcorn, and his dad gave him a nickel or whatever. And it's like, he, he can fuck, go on. He was out of the, you know, he was outside of the so, theater. I mean, he was in the lobby, and so, uh, when the when the uh, roof collapsed, and his brother, sister, <clears throat> dad, and mother, father, mother were killed, and he had to go nine years old and identify the yeah, body. That was, Damn, yeah. that that's sucks. Yeah, so it's like hard. Chuck's life. <clears throat> yeah. All right. He probably got a tattoo afterwards, like the colonel. <laughs> probably. What he, happens he next, probably Chuck? got nine tattoos. No, nah, it's pretty sad. Go yeah. next. Well, Timmy, let me <clears throat> let me <clears throat> bring your bring your words to life here, Timmy. Okay, please, do, Colonel. She was a little flat. I don't feel like she really. She just mailed that one in. Too. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't one of her better performances. Was not. Oh my God, I didn't know I was going no. for a potty today. I need well, to. Uh, I'll yeah. mention that. We're going for a potty every day. I will mention that in the interview. Yeah, if you could. I mean, she's just kind of. Did you feel anything? I mean, I that was, there wasn't a lot of energy. That was, that was heart wrenching. Yeah. That was heart wrenching oh, words yeah. you had there, and, and she's and, just like reading it like she's reading a grocery list. Yeah, like yeah. you know, nine dead, year old lost his whole old, family. Yeah, get some lettuce in your. Blah blah blah. Mm. I'm gonna read your eulogy like I'm reading a grocery <laughs> list. Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you just give him a uh, bunch of concrete foam people? Blah 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 blah. Bunch of people dead. Blah sad, blah 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 blah. Sad, sad snow. Yada yada yada. Yeah. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. Well, I wasn't. I'm not sure exactly when this all happened. <laughs> what date did this happen January on? January 22nd. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Colonel, please continue. It's 28th, okay. you dick. <laughs> he wasn't paying attention. 1922. <laughs> you fucking piece of shit. Well, with a loud noise, Timmy. Colonel has on his hospital band, and on it, typed on it, is hypochondriac. <laughs> yeah. Well, anywhere. Hypochondriac. Hypochondriac. <laughs> all right, Colonel, continue. Uh, no, I called Kevin. I said, Kevin, I can do one of two things. Come into work with jeans on or go home and come in two hours later with regular clothes on. What the fuck? You can get tested with, you can get your ball, gall, gallbladder tested with It was pants. 7 o'clock. It was 7 o'clock in the, in the goddamn morning. You know, he doesn't arrive at work at any kind of regular <laughs> what time. What does that have to do with wearing jeans? Because he can't, he couldn't get up early enough to get I wasn't going to get up and on. get... Dressed up only to go ahead. So he's put, wearing he, he's wearing his band so that people feel sorry for him. People have they put that jelly all over my belly. That no, was, when you're looking for sympathy, and I know mm-hmm. that's why you're wearing your hospital band. Think about no, her. Just, think over. about Brandy describing the de- a nine year old losing his entire family in the disaster, and how much empathy she showed for that <laughs> old nine year old. And you think you're gonna get any? Bit, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She didn't. Uh, that was like. <laughs> So you think you're gonna? She's gonna. Yeah, yeah. Give, I ain't give count, a shit about oh, you. I never believed I was counting on empathy from the devil. Mm-hmm. Of it. Empathy. Didn't the Stones do a yeah, song like that? Empathy for the devil. Empathy, yeah. empathy for, the, empathy devil. for the, yeah. the devil. Yeah. So anyway, let me let me try to let me try to read this. It, it, let me bring try it to, to life, Colonel. Give your script its due, Timmy. Thank you, Colonel. Unlike the people in your life, why don't you bring them to life? <laughs> bring the words to life. With a loud noise, Timmy, the roof of the theater collapsed onto the concrete balcony. Hmm. 
and both in turn collapsed into the orchestra seating section. In the moments after the collapse, a witness called a telephone operator who spread the alarm to police, firefighters, and hospitals. She also phoned the city government, which ordered the immediate closure of all theaters in the city to prevent loss of life from any further collapses. You know, if I was in that if I was in that situation, I wouldn't be thinking about other theaters at that particular time. No, I'd be thinking about other buildings, but people nearby during the collapse rushed to help, although their efforts were disorganized until the arrival of more than 600 soldiers and Marines, Timmy. Yeah, they called in the troops. They called them in. It, now, it took some time for authorities to gain control of the scene as relatives of the people in the theater tried to gain entry. Authorities also experienced delays in getting fire engines and other equipment to the scene because there was a blizzard. The streets were impassable. And many become just stuck in the snow. However, a fleet of ambulances from Walter Reed Army Medical Center and volunteer taxis were able to reach the scene and evacuate some of the injured to hospitals. Even with large numbers of police, firemen, and military personnel, by 2.30 the next day, rescuers had not still been able to remove debris from the balcony and reach those who had been seated in the orchestra. While they worked, a young boy crawled through the rubble and delivered water to the victims to keep them alive. Some of them were like in little pockets. Some people survived mm -hmm. in small pockets in the debris, Timmy. Neighboring houses and stores were used temporarily to give medical treatment to the victims, and a nearby Christian Science Church was used as a morgue. In total, 98 people died as a result, and a further 133 were injured, Timmy. Now, many of these being pulled from the rubble were either dead or barely conscious. Contemporary accounts describe severe crushing injuries that resulted in loss of limbs or forced amputations mm. in order to extricate the victims. So they had to cut their arm off to get them out. Extricate. Yeah. That means remove, devil. Yeah. That means pull them out. Yeah. About ready to extricate your gallbladder <laughs> through your mouth. It's inflamed. That's what I hear. So it should be easy to grab. It really, when it's inflamed, they're just saying there's nothing wrong with it. And there's, you know, he's hypochondriac. Uh, a hypochondriac. Yeah. A hypochondriac. Continue, yeah. Colonel. Among the victims was former Pennsylvania Congressman Andrew Jackson Barchfeld and other politicians, members of the diplomatic corps, and businessmen. Yeah, a Among event. those involved in rescue attempt involved, included future World War II icon General George S. Patton. Old blood and guts. He was a major in the U.S. Army stationed in Fort Myer on the night of the Knickerbocker roof collapse. He was sick in bed from an allergic reaction to seafood when he received a phone call from General Harry Hill Bandholtz that summoned him to join the Knickerbocker Theater rescue effort, Timmy. Mm. Old blood yes. and guts. <clears throat> Patton led a group of men from Fort Myer to the Knickerbocker Theater, but their army trucks became stuck in the snow. Hmm. Why didn't he use a tank? <laughs> he didn't have one yet. Oh. He sent an officer back to Fort Myer to bring a mules and pull the trucks to the theater. The army arrived at the theater well after the Marines. Marines always seem to be first. Who traveled first. by foot. Patton's Simmer men were <clears throat> given the job of dismantling the balcony rubble and removing bodies. The Marines had already made rescues, had many rescues of victims who survived and were giving, were given the accolades in the newspapers the next day. The Marines took all the credit for this. Mm. Patton, the, the few, the proud. 
slightly bitter at only finding about a dozen corpses, described to his father that the bodies were purple, squished to a dimension of about four inches thick. Patton was also reprimanded by his wife, B, for being too graphic in his description of a headless woman pulled from the rubble by their young, to their young children. Yeah, yeah, I guess he had given some very graphic descriptions of what he saw, and uh, his Lord. wife did yeah, not Well, he was blood and guts. He was. He was all about the blood and guts. Now, a number of investigations was conducted by Washington City, the city government, both houses of Congress, the city quarter, and the courts. Early witness accounts suggested that the theater employees had discussed removing the snow from the roof, but decided, eh, don't need to do that. It's not necessary. And what would Binkham think? Now, the weight of the snow was initially blamed for the roof collapse. The roof was flat, <clears throat> therefore the snow, you know, accumulated till it gave way. But it was later determined that there were design and construction flaws, Timmy. Mm. And, and the roof was attached to the walls in a defective way. Yeah, so it was a, more of a design flaw, and then it can, the snow contributed into that. Yes. To the problem, but. An investigation faulted the design of the five-year-old building, which relied on an arch of girders rather than support pillars to support the roof, which could not sustain the weight of the snow. Despite these findings, the courts, however, were unable to determine who was liable. The families of the Knickerbocker victims never received a cent in compensation. Oh, that's, uh, that's awful. The year after the collapse, the new theater would be built in the same location dubbed the Ambassador Theater. This would in turn be torn down during a 1960s-era urban renewal project. The site is now the location of a bank. In 1927, the Knickerbocker's architect, Reginald Gear took his life. The architect killed himself. He had been a broken man since the theater collapsed. His career shattered. Henry, Harry Crandall, owner of the Knickerbocker Theater, um, had built the theater in 1917. It was Washington's biggest movie house. Crandall committed suicide by gas in his apartment in 1937, Timmy. Not a happy ending for him either. No. He left a note to the newspaper boy saying, Please don't be too hard on me, boys. Not for my sake, but for those I am leaving behind. I'm despondent and miss my theater so much. So, so the owner, the architect, commits suicide. 98 people were killed, 133 injured. It is still the largest disaster in Washington, D.C. history. When did it happen? When did it happen, Devil? Uh, 1922. July, January 28th. January 28th. Mm -hmm. Brandy, <clears throat> your final thoughts on the Knickerbocker, Knickerbocker Theater disaster? It was a tragedy. It really was, and I mean, we're making light of it, but it it was must have been horrific to see. Oh, it had to be horribly yeah. scary. <clears throat> yeah. uh, Colonel, Do you feel like I brought that to life for you? Yeah, me? you did, Colonel. Your final <clears throat> thoughts on the Knickerbocker theater disaster? It's they should have taken the snow off the roof. Yeah, that seems it was to be bad design. I guess you got to take those things into account when you're putting stuff in Chicago. I know. This is in Washington, though. Well, Washington, yeah. Yeah, if you've been listening, you've probably picked up <laughs> yeah. on that. Um, uh, Washington. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every I, other I, disaster we do seems to be in Chicago. Every theater fire, everything else is School, in Chicago. fire, yeah. yeah. Well, when you get that kind of snow, I always think Chicago. I don't yeah. know why, but All right. I know it was in Washington. Yeah, sad story. All right. It was very um, sad. All right. 
So, uh, Colonel, do you have shout outs for us? I have shout outs, but what we're, what we're doing this week, Timmy, is we're, we're going we're gonna to go through a rotation. Okay, because we, uh, we we've really just have got a lot. so many. And, and we love that, and we appreciate that, but uh, we only have so much time. So, so we've got, uh, well, let me start with a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Tasha. Yes, and lovely Tasha from California, out in California, but originally California. from Louisiana, I believe. Yes, mm-hmm. so she appreciates the Colonel's accent. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Girdley. Jeff. Sam Hildebrand, Missy Dean Horton, Britton Chris. Um, Jeff, Dr. Jeff, Chestnut. Yes. Teresa Slavin, Shonda and Larry and all the Trowbridges, Phyllis Munson, Aaron, of course, Wentz, Donna Curran, Brian and Lisa Lawton, Olivia Meyer, Jen Bolton, of course, Katja, Kate McCarthy with C, Bridget, Clavy, Byron Snellings, Denny Mack, William Truax, Amber Croup, Gina Spillane, Trixie, Stephanie Quick, Sydney Michael, Donna Hellman, Laura O'Reilly, Gabby Lewis, John Cunningham, Bond, Gene Bond, Dave Lampier, Brandy McBride, Maggie Glover, of course, our poet laureate, Jeff Appel, Christine, Bourgeois, Katie, Katie Moorhead, and thank you, Tammy. Tammy left us a very nice review. Thank you, Tammy. Mary Ray, Marvin Hammond, Andy Valley, Cheryl Muscou, Keith Frosty, Becky Mitchell, Vicki Ann Wallace, Steve Miller, Nicholas Starr and Molly, Natasha Davis, Neil Eagleton, Stewie Benton, Tracy Busby, Ali Nett, Christine Hauer. We got a nice review from Jessica Williams as well. And Bella and Barney? Hmm? Bella and Barney? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, let's see. Yeah, that's that was very nice. Rebecca Montanle, I'm going to... Barney Bella. Mike Eisenhower, Danielle Fredrickson, Andy Sparaccio, Toby Deese, Nancy Palomino. We got a nice review. We got a nice review from Chance's mom, too, and I don't know who that is, but she says she's on Team Brandy. Yay for me. Well, hell with her, then. Oh. No, I'm only teasing. That's a terrible thing to say. She put put the the vagina vigilantes on there. Yeah. Yeah. Who is that? Do we know? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look again. Okay. Uh, Chance's mom let us know so we can give you a proper shout-out. We really appreciate the review. Kim Kamikaze, Jennifer Hawkins, Tara Chinchilla, Lindsay McMillan, Eddie Rushing, Joe Handler, Sammy James, Jason, of course, Dykes, Amy Carol Payne, Tyra Jenkins. Um, I'm doing two columns, so I got to the Colonel's people. Mm-hmm. Angie Ball. Nicola, lovely Nicola, and of course Allie, you know, we're thinking about you. Charlie, who's yes. attached to Allie, our forever We're going to meet them at CrimeCon, and we're hoping, we to meet a, we're hoping to meet a lot of you there at CrimeCon. Sarah, have, you, have you made your reservation yet? I believe Renee was on uh, Travelocity. Why can't you make your own house I don't know. You're 50 years old, that. you can't make a reservation? I, I guess I could. I don't know. It says paid. Reserve uh, now, pay later. I don't know how to do all that shit. Jennifer Burdick. You better go. No, you pay now. You yeah. reserve it and you pay. Yes. Okay, I'll, I'll get it Brandy done. and I have already paid, right, Brandy? Karen Barnes. Janet, the lovely Janet. You know, Karen Cheryl. does a wonderful job promoting the podcast. We really appreciate that. Karen. She does. Lovely Irish lass, Francis Darton. Um, and... Somebody who's a deacon now in the Church of the Latter-day Colonel, mm-hmm. 
Um, Because she got the healing hands. All right. Jessica Williams. Lovely Jessica Williams. Beautiful Jessica Williams and Barney and Bella. Mm -hmm. Bella, which means beauty. Beautiful. Yes. Um, Amanda Bachibal. Uh, Shannon, of course. Tiffany. Tiffany Bell. Yeah, up in Michigan. Monica DiAgostino. Angela Cobes. Radica Smith. Radica. Radica. No, no Radica. Oh, it is Radica. Radica. Yeah, we were mispronouncing. You guys have been getting it wrong no, for a long you time. No, you have been. Not you guys. You. You, yeah. <clears throat> Liz Keating, yes. of course. The lovely, 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 lovely Fallon. Um, Jen Wicks. Jennifer Siemens. Ray, I know this is an Irish girl, too. Rachel Marie Flynn. How could that not be an Irish girl, Timmy? Joe Hopkins. I'm doing two columns. All right, all right. Danielle Jones. Donna Hellman. Maja Zanalka and Jamie Tarantino. Amber Anderson. Danielle Fredrickson. Christian Dormer. Little Emmy Waterfall. Susan Angles. Kirsten Davidson. Nick Johnson. Gordon, John Gray, Dave Hill, Thomas Tui, T.J. Youngblood, Robin Sanchez, Colleen Madsen, Aaron Fowler, and of course Allison Shields, who we mentioned before. Yes. Now those who I have missed, we will catch next podcast. Yes, which will be later this week. Yes. Yes. And uh, you have two others. And of course, um, the lovely, lovely, and cultured and wonderful Lady Beverly, whose husband is thinking about taking her to Paris. He should, t- if I, if, if, Graham, you're a lucky man. You're a lucky man. That's all I'll say about you. Um, and give me a D double. No, let's not do that. Let's just say my see, mom, Dottie Scott. See how he acts like a dick if you try to give him. Lovely uh, thank, Dottie Scott. Thank you for listening. And, uh, and thank you for not letting Timmy kill you another now week. We're going to, to the doctor tomorrow. Oh, yeah? Yes. Well, I hope everything's fine with you, Dottie. It's just a regular, uh, Oh, okay. Well, she runs so, to the doctor every other day. <clears throat> Some people on our podcast, Brandy. I know, right? Brandy, where can people find us? You can find us on Facebook. Yeah, we have two uh, pages. We have the History Dweeves page, which is history-related stuff, and then we have our podcast group, History Dweeves the Podcast. Please join our group. That's where all the folks that uh, the Colonel has mentioned hang out. We have a lot of fun, and uh, it's quite entertaining wouldn't you say so brandy i would yeah where else can they find us they can find us on twitter twitter you can follow us at history dweebs one we're part of potter and fan uh potter and family and you can follow the colonel at hawk waters and you can find us on itunes itunes please leave us a review thank all thank a big thank you to all of you who left us a review it uh, helps us get a word out about the podcast we're looking forward to um, more and more people joining uh, the group and also following us on iTunes. And you can find us on Stitcher and Libsyn and all those. All the things. podcast apps. Uh, please join us. Please leave us a review. Uh, join the group, though, because we'd like to get to know you. And we're looking forward to seeing a lot of you at CrimeCon, uh, which is in June, June 9th. Is that uh-huh. right? June 9th. And 9th Indianapolis. And in Indianapolis, Indiana. Yes. Naptown. It's going to be fun. Naptown? Yeah. I no, see. Uh, we're going to have a good time. So um, please let us know well, if you're planning on attending. We're going to have a good time because we will have a place to stay. Yeah, and Chuck is not staying in my room. Not staying in my room. Yeah, so you better get your book. Your I, room book. I'll, I'll stay with Jennifer and Amber. 
<laughs> I hope Jennifer and Amber make it because I think there'll be a lot of fun. As were uh, a lot of, I think Jason is going to be there. I'm hoping a lot of our listeners will um, will come because we're hoping to spend time with you. Where it's going to be fun and merriment, Brandy. Always, always, and we hope the roof doesn't collapse. I do hope that. Yeah, and it shouldn't be but snow because it's going to be in June. Usually. So I think we're safe there. Yeah. So thank you all oh, for. I got to get. So that means I got to get. I got to get my summer body on. Yeah, that would be spectacular. Yeah. You got. To, you got to. Get you haven't done it for the past ten years. I mean, <laughs> well, so yeah, it's time. Yeah, I'm motivated. You got to get in that bikini. Yeah, so. I got to get in those speedos too. Yeah. Oof. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. Uh, we, please check out uh, Cover to Cover. Mm-hmm. Is that spelled? How is that spelled? Is that? Uh, it's Cover, the number two cover. cover. Okay. Cover to Cover. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandy's new podcast, and we're going to get some more information about that out. Yep. Um, please check out uh, True Crime Review uh, with Joe. It's a new podcast. It's really good. And uh, check out podcasts we listen to. I'm going to be on the show next week to talk about these two and tell them, how, tell you all how they're driving me crazy. Yeah. Um, anything you would like to plug, Colonel? Um, I know you listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen. To, you know, I don't get to listen to a lot of podcasts. I always listen to Insight mm-hmm. um, with our friends Allie and Charlie. With our friends, and I have been listening to when I get it when I can. I listen to Between Us Girls mm-hmm. um, with Danielle. Yeah, because I there's something wrong with those women. And let's see. And and I listen to one Vanish podcast. It's very good with Marissa Jones. With Marissa. And then uh, and, uh, Nina Estet is with um, And I want to listen to more. But I, uh, my, my problem with podcasts to me is, uh, as I said to people, I do not like to have headphones on when things are going on around me. Yeah. And then, so I listen to them at night, but I tend to listen to them when I go to bed and I fall asleep. Because you can't be a hawk when you're, when you got your ears, when you got your headphones No, on. you cannot be a uh, bird of prey. They need you, you on that wall. They, oh, oh they need me in that tree, Timmy. Yeah. They need me on that tree. They they want me on that tree. They need me on that tree, devil. Say it. No. All right. Thank You're you all for... You're goddamn right I did. You're <laughs> God, did I eat that mouse? You're <laughs> goddamn right I ate that mouse. I want the truth. <laughs> you can't handle the truth, Timmy. All right. Thank you for joining us, everyone. And we'll see you next time on History Dweebs. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Good day. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.